Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool center. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. On a very wet and cold day, the maximum, I think, just got over 12 degrees today. Must be one of uh, Perth's coldest uh, days for a long, long time. We'll get to sport in a moment, but it's a pretty sad day, as we all do. Uh, We tend to go onto our social media and check what the news is overnight while we rest our souls and our bodies with a good night's sleep. Woke up this morning nice and early and found out the news about the passing of Dame Olivia Newton-John. And I was was surprised, basically, how emotional I was, basically, inside. Uh, I feel maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised because of the battles that she had for a long period of time with, of course, breast cancer. Well, Greece, the movie, which I believe Channel 9 is going to run tonight as a tribute to Olivia Newton-John, is an eternal link to my final high school years. And physical, by the way, was one of the first 45s I played in my first year in radio at 6KG in Kalgoorlie and will always, forever, take me back. Of course, she was awarded uh, Grammys, a damehood, and was hailed for her passionate work in promoting cancer research and wellness care after living with the disease for 30 years. Her world-famous music and film contemporaries have shared tributes to the star after her death. Rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John, certainly part of my childhood. Okay, uh, welcome to uh, Drive with Peter Vlahos on this uh, Wednesday and uh, certainly, uh, in fact, on this Tuesday. There you go. I'm ahead of myself. Uh, Just regarding sports news, uh, West Coast Eagles fans, of course, Tim Kelly has tried to challenge his one-match ban for that supposed pretty rough tackle on Sam Berry of the Adelaide Crows and uh, his appeal has been unsuccessful, so he will miss the Western Derby this Saturday night at Optus Stadium. Tim Kelly is out. The Patrick Cripps hearing into his two-game suspension is currently underway at the AFL uh, Tribunal, and uh, we will bring you up to date with that soon as we do get a hearing. Well, the AFL community is also celebrating the career of Sydney Swans uh, premiership player in Josh Kennedy after the veteran midfielder, Today, called time on his glittering career. It's just two days after his West Coast Eagles namesake played his last game in the AFL here at Optus on Sunday. But uh, Sydney's Josh Kennedy confirmed that the 22 season or the 2022 season would be his last. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't uh, 
I don't think do it justice um, with words in terms of how much it means to me. Um, this footy club, the people, really is what makes it uh, over the time. It, now and, and, and in previous years, uh, as I said, it's I'm just so fortunate um, and grateful. Uh, it's, it's such a great club and I'm, I'm just so lucky to have, have been a part of it and been able to share that journey with so many great people. So another Josh Kennedy is hanging up his boots after we saw, of course, the Eagles star on Sunday afternoon. Another big story in Adelaide is that a defiant Ken Hinckley says he believes his job is secure after Port Adelaide boss David Kosh made a bold statement about the Powers' future amid a mediocre AFL season. Let's go back to what Koshy said on Adelaide Radio. Obviously, this year will be the the worst finish that we've had in the last 10 years, and something's got to change. But that's a that's a whole-of-program decision. We've got to get, get better. We've got to make some hard decisions. And as I said last week and the week before, we will assess every single line item in the uh, in the football department uh, at the end of the year when it, when it's appropriate when we do when we do every year. Ken Hinckley, the Port Adelaide coach, uh, said this today in response to the president's uh, comments. No, no, I don't, Jared. And David himself has said that he expects me to be coaching Port Adelaide in 2023, as I do, and that's what I'm preparing for. Do you absolutely want to see this last year of your contract, Ken? Yeah, absolutely I do. That's uh, that's my personality. That's who I am. I, I see things through as best I possibly can. We, we all get there's a, there's a finish line for everyone at some point. But as I sit here tonight, I'm more than confident that um, that won't be at the end of 2022. And Hinkley did go on to say, that was from AFL 360 last night, that he hasn't spoken to David Kosh since uh, the president's comments. No, no, Robbo, we haven't spoken today, but I'm, you know, there's never a problem. Dave and I have regular conversations all the time. It's not like we, we're, we're a bit far into any conversations. That's a regular spot for David. Look, I think broadly the conversation was we'll assess our football program, and so we should, and we will assess every part of our football program at the right time. So there you go. That's the current situation there in Adelaide regarding Ken Hinckley and the president, David Kosh, coming out with those comments. Just some other news that's certainly quite interesting, sports news, as we bring you up to date with all the sports news. Thanks to Tyre Power, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. Uh, after winning a seventh straight gold medal in the men's hockey at the Commonwealth Games, I saw this last night, it must be asked, are the Kookaburras the greatest team to ever perform on the big stage? Last night, the juggernaut that is the Kookaburras rolled in, it was a gold medal playoff, and they thumped India 7-0 in that gold medal match. It was just quite incredible. They just decimated the Indians, and it was 5-0 at halftime. The other story that I found very intriguing overnight comes out of the NRL, and the Canberra Raiders, very colourful and often controversial coach in Ricky Stewart, after his comments where he labelled Panthers 5-8, Jamin Salmon, a weak, gutted dog. And today, he's been hit with a week suspension and a $25,000 fine by the National Rugby League. Chris Lynn, the cricketer, who certainly wowed a lot of audiences in his time in the BBL, looks to have turned his back on the competition 
after being cut loose by the Brisbane Heat earlier this year. And he signed on to play in the new UAE T20 League this summer, the one that David Warner's been linked to. Now, Emirates Cricket has announced that 54 international players had agreed to take part in the inaugural International League T20, which kicks off in January and will run concurrently with the BBL. Now, the new league in the UAE will reportedly offer players up to $700,000 for a five-week tournament, which is quite mind-blowing, the money. And finally, in updating sport here for tyre power, American tennis great Andy Roddick has come out today, and he's made quite a staggering call that he believes Nick Kyrgios to be among the top three contenders to win the U.S. Tennis Open which starts at the end of this month. Now, the Aussie star backed up his run to the Wimbledon final by claiming the Cincinnati Open title in Washington this week, sending a warning to his rivals that he's primed for another deep run at Flushing Meadow in New York. Not content with winning the singles crown for the second time in his career, Kyrgios backed up also to win the doubles title a few hours later with American Jack Sock. And according to Roddick, the fact that Kyrgios won both titles is telling him and giving us a hint that the Aussie is at his supreme best, both physically and mentally. So look out to Nick Kyrgios. Can he even maybe go one step further at the US Open? The final of the Tennis Grand Slams for 2022, which starts in New York at Flushing Meadow at the end of this month. As we do on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we provide you a lot of sports variety. Of course, Mondays and Thursdays is very much focused on the AFL with Kim Hagdorn joining in the studio. It's the review on Monday and, of course, football team selections, and we analyse the teams on Thursday night. After the break, I will speak to Adam Peacock, who uh, is a, a real authority on football, the round ball game. He's a world football expert for Code. He's a sports writer there. He's been involved with Fox Sports and, of course, is a man that certainly is pretty immersed in soccer. And we'll talk to him about the launch of the English Premier League and what's happening at Manchester United. And later on, I'll speak to Mick Collis, our rugby expert, about the demise of the All Blacks. And I think never in my life do I recall the All Blacks all of a sudden being the fifth-ranked nation in world rugby. It's unheard of. It's unheard of. They've lost five of uh, the last six test matches. And I can't recall the All Blacks being on the knee, on their knees like they are currently. Also, we'll talk about the relationship that they have now, that is the Western Force, with French powerhouse rugby club Montpellier and uh, how the relationship is going to work. And Mick's got a couple of reservations about it. So when we talk to him a bit later on, he'll tell you about those reservations. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment. We'll keep you right up to date here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. And you can join us on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Bedshed are experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. And you can check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. And come and join us on the Scarborough Toyota open line. Uh, give us a call 13 12 55. And at Scarborough Toyota, they sell and service all makes and models. It's 11 past five. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. 
Quarter past five, but wherever you may be listening on SEN 657 in Perth and through the wet suburbs of Perth. Gee, it's been a cold day today. As I said, I think our coldest day for a long, long time with the temperature just over 12 degrees. But it will warm up and we're in for some sunny winter days uh, coming up. Uh, so look, we can look forward to that. Also, for those people listening on SEN Spirit 621 through Bunbury and all through the beautiful southwest, uh, in the goldfields at SEN 1611, on DAB Plus Radio at SEN Peel or on the SENWA app. It's great to have your company here on this Tuesday. Let's talk about world football. And uh, Adam Peacock, uh, you know him very well, has been involved in uh, the televising and the commentary of world football for a number of years, uh, works uh, and writes for Code Sports and also does a bit of work for SEN in Sydney and uh, certainly knows uh, the round ball game, the world game. Adam, thanks for your time this afternoon here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Hey, Pete. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, certainly intriguing the start of the EPL season. It started just a fraction early this time around because the hiatus that the Premier League will have when the World Cup rolls around commencing November the 21st and, of course, going the World Cup until a week before Christmas. But the big story to come out of the weekend is no doubt Manchester United. The fact that they lost at home to Brighton by two goals to one. The last time that happened, I think it was in the FA Cup tie back in 1909. United, the big losers out of the weekend. Yeah, it's uh, it was a fine point on it for Manchester United because, well, overall, they need time to get better. But when you're a new manager like Eric Ten Hag is and you've got a very impatient fan base who are protesting out the front of the ground about the owners being involved in the club sometimes, you don't have that time. You've got to get it right straight away. And, yeah, they, they look like a team still stuck in old ways, being taught new ways. And, unfortunately, Brighton saw them coming from Manchester United's point of view. Great for Brighton that they uh, picked them apart a bit in the first half and, and they couldn't quite peg them back. Look, it wasn't an unmitigated disaster, but it was the worst possible start, if you can mm. call it those two things in the same sentence. And, of course, uh, we saw Manchester United here at Optus Stadium. They played that friendly as part of their Australian uh, tour. They took on Aston Villa, and it was a very entertaining game in pretty ordinary conditions. The pitch was pretty poor because of the rain we had leading up to that. A two-all draw, but some of their players looked okay, Hernandez and Rashford and others, but they have lost a few big names. And, of course, there is that question mark over Cristiano Ronaldo and where he's going to sit going forward. Yeah, it looks like he stays because he was involved on the weekend. He came on just before the hour mark. So I think there's no certainties, but by the end of the month when the transfer window shuts, he'll still be a Manchester United player. That's how it's playing out at the moment. But yeah, they just, yeah, that trial form, which basically those pre-season matches were over in Perth and around the country, are one thing. But I, I, I knew even when they beat, they smashed Liverpool up in uh, Southeast mm. Asia before they got to Australia. I didn't know that once they start playing against teams who realise how Manchester United want to play, it's very orderly how he wants to play Ten Hag with the ball. Um, he wants to be a high-possession, quick-moving um, ball movement. That if you turn the ball over quickly, then you can pick... And that's what happened to the second goal for Manchester United. So if, if they're not fully in unison, they can be got at by a well-organised team full of good players. And, and Brighton certainly proved that on the weekend. Yeah, certainly was. Saying that, Liverpool, of course, are regarded as one of the real challenges for the Premier League title uh, this season. Uh, Manchester City started off well, of course, uh, winning 
against West Ham away from home by two goals to nil. And they looked very, very slick indeed. On the other hand, Liverpool had a fight on their hands at Craven Cottage against newly promoted Fulham. Yeah, and they looked... Oh, it's, it's harsh to say they looked as clunky as Manchester United because that's set that aside, Manchester United. That's a story in itself. But Liverpool did look a little dysfunctional at times in that game against Fulham. Um, it looked like they were still getting their legs as well, um, still working out their patterns and, and movement. And Fulham set up really well. They found it really difficult to play through the middle, Liverpool. So they, they got frustrated there. Two-all draw. I think at the end, Jurgen Klopp, he, he wasn't totally convinced about the legalities of both Fulham's goals, but he was totally convinced about that's all his side deserved at the most was a draw because they they did, for all intents and purposes, come off second best against a very good promoted side. So Fulham can look at it and think, oh, we're a little unlucky and it's probably a very good time to get Liverpool given they've had such a huge few seasons and maybe the, the short turnaround in the off-season is is a contributing factor. But, um, yeah, they, they did well to get a point in the end, which sounds really weird, Liverpool. Yeah. What about Manchester City? They seem the team to run down, aren't they? They, they look like, even with their recruitment, uh, they look like certainly the team to beat. Yeah. Whether or not they've got the... Because they're going to have a lot of players go to the World Cup. Whether or not they've got the depth to, to cover all that remains to be seen. But uh, slick was the word that you used earlier, Pete. I totally agree with that word against... Uh, West Ham, and that's a really difficult place to go. Um, the, the Olympic Stadium and West Ham have had a great couple of seasons under David Moyes. So to come up with a performance like that and all the chances that they created, and yeah, they, they, they let a couple of chances um, go against them as, as the game went on. But really, there was there was only going to be one winner in that. So it's a, it's a perfect start for an away performance to win like that. It's it couldn't get much better for Manchester City. So you look at the uh, top contenders, Adam, and of course Manchester City will be there, Liverpool will be there. There's talk about the London clubs, uh, Chelsea and Tottenham and Arsenal. How do you see it um, falling out uh, in relation to Champions League spot? And people aren't talking about Manchester United getting anywhere near the top four, which is quite damning again on that uh, huge club. Yeah, I think it's a race in six, and and you'd be brave to suggest that one of Manchester City and Liverpool won't win the title, um, given the battles that they've had over the past three seasons. So you you put those two in the top four, that leaves two more spots for four more teams. And I think it's pretty even between Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea and Manchester United. It's about, in this first little period, who can pick up as many wins as possible, get through the World Cup with with his few injuries as possible and then reset for the new season and perhaps go into the market as required in January uh, to, to top up. But yeah, I, I, I can't really split them at this stage. I, I wouldn't be like I, before the season, I said Arsenal and Chelsea to finish top four, but it was without conviction because Spurs, obviously they got off to a great start on the weekend. They'll play much tougher sides than Southampton who they thrashed and Manchester United will get better. So I don't think it's definitive anything out of the weekend, but it was very impressive from Spurs and Arsenal in particular to get off to the start that they did. I know that you're a Newcastle United supporter and they beat newly promoted Nottingham Forest in their first home game at St. James's Park on the weekend. But as we know, with the new Saudi investment now, and they finished off the season pretty well last year, but prior to that, they were perennial strugglers. What about Newcastle mm. United? Do you think they'd be aiming at a top-half finish this season, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Yeah, as a fan, my par would be eighth. And anything below that is a disappointment. Anything above that is a pleasant surprise. Bang on that is, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that going forward. And it's going to be incremental improvement. I think when the Saudi investment fund took over and 
everyone looked at how much money that, that crew has, uh, everyone felt, well, they're just going to buy their way to a title within two years. It doesn't work like that. It, it, it can't work like that. It didn't work like that for Manchester City 15 years ago, and rules have changed to lessen the impact of a sudden influx of funds with financial fair play. You have to build up slowly, and that's what Newcastle have done. Eddie Howe signed a new contract to time to the club for an undisclosed period. We don't know how long the contract is, but I can only imagine... Eddie is okay when it comes to finances for the next couple of years, um, but he's done. He deserves it because he's done a great job. The, the intensity of Newcastle, the way that they they're matching it with some of the better sides and not struggling against the sides that they're expected to beat, i.e., with all due respect to Nottingham Forest, Nottingham Forest on the weekend, they dominated that game and they totally deserve three points, probably mm. a couple more goals. So. Impressive start, but that said, next week it's a trip to Brighton, and Brighton are feeling pretty good about themselves as well. So it's a bit of a wait and see with Newcastle, but I think they can finish top top half, definitely. A couple of final questions. We'll just get away from the Premier League and look at the Socceroos, and in particular Celtic, with Aaron Moy, of course, going to Celtic. Harry Kill, now an assistant to Ange Postacoglu at Celtic, a real Australian flavour. Can Ange make it back-to-back titles, Scottish Premier League titles? What are your thoughts? Uh, and a big night tonight for Rangers, isn't it? I think they play in that uh, Champions League qualification match after losing 2-0 away. They're back home trying to beat the Belgium side, who, from all reports, are a pretty good outfit. Yeah, they're, they're up against it in that, but I'm not going to count it um, out a, a full house at Ibrox for, for Rangers. So, um, yeah, that's, I wouldn't say definitive, that particular first league result for the, the overall result, but... Uh, Celtic, yeah, it's, it's going to be between themselves and Rangers. Rangers improved at the back end of last season. So that, that once Giovanni von Bronckhorst came in for Steven Gerrard and they got used to his methods, they, they got better. So as the season went on and they closed the gap a bit to Celtic, but still, and what he did um, should never it should never be underestimated what he did in his first season there because a lot of Celtic fans thought it was going to be a, a three-year turnaround, but it wasn't. It was a one-year turnaround. So I think definitely he can do it again. He's got good squad depth. Aaron Moy, he's only playing a bit part role at the moment, but he'll get plenty of more minutes before the World Cup, which is great for the Socceroos. So, yeah, definitely, Ange. I, the, the most intriguing thing for me about Ange this season, especially in the first part, is how Celtic fare in the Champions League. The draw mm. hasn't been done. It'll be done in a couple of weeks, so we'll, we'll know. But if he can get them out of the group in the Champions League, well, it's, it's not quite winning the Scottish title for Rangers, uh, for Celtic fans but it's, it's still a magnificent achievement to, to get a Scottish side out of the group stage of the Champions League, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. And they had a pretty good start, of course, uh, beating Aberdeen at home in the first game there at Celtic Park. Now, we've had a couple of texts uh, on the temperate bedshed text line here, Adam, on 0487 736 736. Adam, nice to hear your voice on SENWA. There you go, mate. You've already got a fan base over here. Uh, this is from Roy. Roy says, can you ask Adam a question? I won't ask you for your top three commentary moments of all time, but in your time involved in uh, covering the world game, what is your most treasured moment at the moment? Because Roy wants to hear from it. Uh, 2015 Asian Cup was pretty special. That night when we scored an extra time against uh, against Korea and, and, and doing the coverage for Fox and the, the coverage all mu- that month for Fox was was unreal to be a part of and, and being on air to, to come back and actually coming back on air without a voice because I was yelling so much. So I, I forgot the role between professionalism and being a fan for a moment there, but that, that was a treasured memory. And, and also the amount of laughs that I had with Robbie and Bozza back in the day when we did the Premier League as well. That like Seriously, it was like uh, it was like a comedy store sometimes um, working with those two. So, yeah, probably those two, Roy. Yeah, no, I... I but there's I, plenty. 
I enjoyed your banter. I enjoyed your coverage when you Fox. I thought it was terrific. Uh, in some ways, we miss it a bit. But anyway, no disrespect to Optus, but certainly the Fox coverage in its day <laughs> was very, very good. Thanks for joining us, Adam. I really appreciate the chat, and we'll, we'll keep in touch here on SENWA. We've got a legion, an absolute legion. You can tell by the attendances that we've got at the games here featuring uh, those uh, teams, Man United, Aston Villa, Leeds and Crystal Palace, that there is a, a significant... Uh, portion of this population that loves the world game. So we'll, we'll keep in touch. Thanks for joining us. Sounds good. Cheers, mate. Good on you. Adam Peacock uh, joining us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. As I mentioned, you can join us like uh, Roy has on the Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. Who do you think will finish uh, in the top four of the Champions League spots in the EPL. For me, it'll be Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. And I wouldn't be surprised if Spurs get that fourth spot ahead of Arsenal, Manchester United, and a few of the others. But anyway, I'd love to get your thoughts. It uh, always tends to be a bit uh, dominated by those two that I mentioned, Man City and Liverpool. They are the strong clubs at the moment in the EPL, even though Liverpool had a bit of a stuttering start. 28 past five, back with more in a moment here on Drive with Peter Vlahos, all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, as we pay our little tribute to Olivia Newton-John, who passed away overnight at the age of 73 after battling, of course, breast cancer for around 30 years. Uh, her world-famous music and film contemporaries have shared tributes to the star after her death. Of course, born in England and as a little girl, came out with her parents to Melbourne, Australia, and she became a, a very big Carlton supporter. In fact... The Carlton Football Club uh, posted a tribute on social media to Olivia Newton-John, as I mentioned. Uh, she certainly followed the blues, as you tend to do in uh, Melbourne. You align yourself uh, with a VFL club as it was then, then AFL club. She became quite a, a passionate Carlton supporter. Just some other footy news. Nathan Chapman from the Fremantle Dockers uh, penned uh, an extension to his contract, which will tie the young defender to the club until the end of the 2027 season. Uh, courtesy of the Fremantle website, this is what he had to say about signing the new deal. Yeah, so stoked to sign on for an extra three years to the end of 2027. Yeah, obviously it's good um, mentally for a bit of security, frees me up um, to put my best foot forward and sort of not worry about all that outside noise. Obviously we're in a pretty good spot now and um, yeah, very exciting times um, to look forward to. Yeah, obviously had some setbacks with injuries, but um, you can look at the positive side of those things and they pose some, some opportunities to work on um, on my body and um, the mental side of the game. It's crazy to think the Bulldogs game was just your 19th at AFL level. Um, how do you feel you've grown since your debut game until game on Saturday? It's had its ups and downs. I um, feel like I've got a taste of the good and bad sides of li um, you know living the AFL life. Um, but yeah, stoked that um, I'm starting to get a few games together and um, yeah, just trying to build on each week's performance. Apologies, mate. I, I did say, Nathan, of course it's Heath Chapman, the next generation of Chapman playing at the Fremantle Dockers. Uh, it's been a bit happening today. So good on you, Heath. Uh, there till 2027. 
which is quite an incredible contract. And he's certainly one of the uh, rising stars for the Fremantle Dockers. They've got so many as they prepare for what promises to be a big game here on Saturday night when they take on the West Coast Eagles. More important for the Fremantle Dockers to win their last two matches. Hope maybe a couple of other results go their way and they can snare possibly a top four spot going into the first week of the finals. We look forward to that. Interesting also, what's also come to light is that Adam Pearce, who's taken over the responsibilities of leadership and captain uh, with Nathan Fife being unavailable, uh, there's been a bit of a uh, audio that has been presented of Alex Pearce addressing his troops in the huddle. Yeah, that's the first quarter, eh? That's all we, that's all we worry about, that first 30 minutes. Just implement what we've what we've spoken about all week. Our role play gets it done. You don't need to do anything more than that. Play our role, play with passion and do it together. But we know it's hard work, isn't it? We know we're gonna need each other and it's gonna be tough and when it gets tough we need each other even more. So make sure first five, first quarter, we keep going, nail the contest and stick together. Yeah, stick together, we'll be all right. Let's go. Play to win. Play to win. Come on, boys. Get going. And they did very well, of course. That was before the first bounce when all the players got together in that pregame huddle. And Alex Pierce there, uh, who had the captain's armband, uh, giving his little pep talk to the troops. And uh, Justin Longmuir, by the way, on AFL 360 last night, said uh, that the Ford line has become a little bit boring in recent weeks, and that needs to change. We just tried to get a little bit of mojo back with our ball movement. I, I think it's been pretty well documented. Everyone's got the same opinion, but we've just been a little bit little bit safe and we've become a little bit um i suppose boring going inside 50 so we wanted to wanted to um bounce a little bit more out of our back half but we also wanted to bring our forwards into the game and give them best opportunity by lowering our eyes and connecting a little bit more going inside 50 so yeah there you go justin longmuir talking about the Fremantle dockers forward line we'll see how it operates on saturday night we'll take a break on the other side of the break mickey collis is going to join us we're talking rugby here on drive the Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. A Tuesday and a drive with Peter Vlahos, all thanks to Toolmark, the complete tool centre where you always get the right tool from the start. And if I want to get the right information when it's uh, to the sport of rugby, then I go to one man. He's my rugby correspondent. He's Cross of everything that's happening both in the national and an international rugby sense. And we're talking about Mick Collis. And Mick joins us now here on Drive with Peter Vlahos here this afternoon. Uh, thanks for your time, Mickey. Pete, always a pleasure to talk rugby with you. We're going to talk firstly about something that I don't think I've ever seen, certainly in the time that I've followed sport, in particular rugby. I certainly don't follow it as close as yourself. But the demise of the All Blacks, where they currently, you are telling me before we came on air, are the fifth-ranked rugby nation now, where normally they would have been one, at worst, two. What's happened across the ditch? Yeah, it's amazing. And um, as you can imagine, over in New Zealand, it's like the earth or the world's fallen in. It's just um, just un- unthinkable that they have dropped that far down. So Ireland's currently number one, France number two, South Africa three, England four, and the All Blacks five. And it's, it's never, ever happened before. And they've lost the last five of their... Six test matches, they lost that series against Ireland, uh, which was a fantastic series, but that's the first time in 117 years that 
Ireland has ever won a series uh, on New Zealand soil. Uh, the French beat them. And, and the main pressure is coming on the coach, a guy called Ian Foster. He's lost nine of the 25 test matches he's been in charge of. His predecessor, a guy called Ian Hansen, lost 10 from 107. So it's, um, Ian Foster is in under enormous amount of pressure. And there's a coach called Scott Robertson who coached the Crusaders. They've won the last six Super Rugby titles. Everyone's just pushing for them to get rid of Ian Foster and, and bring in Scott Robinson because they just think that the culture's wrong in New Zealand. They've got the wrong um, people there, the wrong support staff. They need to just basically put the, put the broom through the place and, and start again because, as I said, it, it's the lowest they've ever been and uh, it's, it's a real problem. So saying that, what are the players like, Mickey? A lot of them, of course, play in the uh, Super Rugby. And as you mentioned, the Crusaders are the benchmark when it comes to Super Rugby franchise. Surely the players haven't gone off that much. Is it the coach or a mixture of both, do you think? Oh, look, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, you don't, you don't just become a bad player. And they've got, they've got world-class players still. Like, there's the two. There's Geordie and, and Bodie Barrett, the two Barrett brothers who are, who are world-class. Their, their backup number 10, a guy called Richie Mawanga, would be starting at number 10 in any other country in the world. Adi Savir, their, their number eight, is probably the best number eight in the world. So they've, they've definitely got world-class players. But whatever it is at the moment, um, look, oh, it's really hard to know. It's not that they went through that brilliant period for, for a long time. But in recent times where they had a guy like Richie McCaw and, and Dan Carter, who by all reports um, just had this very humble nature about them. And that, that's true. You know, Richie and, and Dan both very humble players. And they think that maybe with those guys now now gone, that the next generation, they've lost that humility that, that kept the All Blacks so good for so long. And again, look, I, I don't know what the situation is, but stuff that I'm reading is they think that they've lost that humility and, and now they almost, they in the past where they go out expecting to win, but they were humble about it. Now they just expect to win because they're a bit arrogant. And mm-hmm. and that's and whether that's now starting to come undone and, and then they start looking for people to blame and they're not looking at themselves and, and they're trying to take shortcuts. Again, I don't know, but from the outside, it, it just seems that that they need, because they don't have those those players, either some of those players need to step up and take the role of McCaw and Carter or they need to bring in a new coach that's going to, bring those new rules in and insist this is the way that the All Blacks do it. And if you don't like it, well, you can move on. So at the moment, it's almost like, for me, the Wallabies under that Robbie Deans era where we had uh, Quade Cooper, Digby Uwani, James O'Connor, uh, Kirtley Beale. It was this brat pack and, and those guys were good players and they just took what they were doing for granted. And Australia's performance wasn't good when those guys were there. So I don't know whether a bit of that has drifted into the All Blacks and, and that's the reason for the, the, the disruption. But look, it, it's really... And look, you got all credit to Ireland. They play great rugby and same with the Springboks. They play great rugby. So you can't take anything away from them. But, but normally the All Blacks, they're not going to be ranked number five in the world. So there are, there are definitely problems in there. And if they don't nip it in the bud, already I believe uh, basketball is now the most um, played sport in New Zealand. So so rugby in New Zealand, you know, all sports are, are struggling in terms of participation. But even in New Zealand, 
the All Blacks, you know, they need to keep that shine to keep the players coming through. It's only a small country, as you know. They've only got, what, four million people or something mm. or other. So it's, it's going to be hard for them. And, and if the All Blacks go off the boil and people start looking for alternatives, no one would have ever thought that was possible. But um, as it stands, you know, they're, they're not invincible. And every, every country goes through its ups and downs. But the All Blacks, we've been so used to them being so good for so long that it really is unusual for them to be dropping this far down the ladder. So before we move on to a couple other rugby topics, uh, they've been so good for so long, and even people like myself have enjoyed watching them. Is it mm. better for rugby from a national and international point of view to see where the All Blacks are, are at now and giving other nations now the chance to shine? Or is it better for rugby worldwide for a strong New Zealand, regardless of how dominant they are? It's hard. It's hard. I remember when Australia were winning the cricket. And remember that we went through that period of one about 18 test matches in a row. And, and it was almost boring because you thought, Australia's going to win. I'm not going to watch. Australia's going to win. But, but, and the All Blacks have been a bit like that. You know, we, we haven't, I think my youngest son's 19. He's never known Australia to have a Blitters like Cup. Mm. We've never had one in, in his time of being alive. So there, there are sections of the community that think that it's, that it's not great for them to be winning all the time. But for me, I almost think they're a bit like the canary in the coal mine. I think the All Blacks are almost a barometer of, of the health of rugby around the world. And, and if they're going well, rugby is going well because they're that pinnacle that everyone, every other nation is trying then to, to get better to beat them. And I think if the, if the All Blacks kind of... They're, they're, look, they're never going to disappear, but if they if they lose that that aura and that dominance, I think that I think that's a bad thing for rugby. I, I, I just think... Because for so long, they've set the standard. And, you know, and people you know, from a... Um, uh, commercial point of view too. People like the All Blacks, they bring in, they bring in so much money, and and that's why you know they get played in um, over in Chicago, and and that private equity group now has, has bought in to the All Blacks, so they'll they'll be expecting return on their investment as well. So it becomes this big economical impact as well. So I think it's great when they're winning because that is that's the benchmark, and I think every player they want to test themselves against the best in the world, and for so long. And for so consistently, it has been the All Blacks. So, look, I I want them to get back up the top again. Well, of course, the Wallabies fans have been long-suffering. It looks like there's a break in the clouds, a little ray of light. The Wallabies unbeaten, leading the 2022 Rugby Championship. Are we on the way up? Uh, Results suggest we are. The Wallabies after that win against Argentina on the weekend. Yes, and again, it was a a great win. Um, Argentina's the weakest team in the... In the in that in that championship at the moment, but it was a gutsy win by Australia. Again, they came from behind, and and we saw it in the Perth Test against England. Here, the Wallabies, um, you know, we we had a man down, and and we fought hard, and and everyone was saying it was one of them the gutsiest performances by an Australian team in history. And then they've gone over there. Um, Quade Cooper, he blew his Achilles tendon. Um, my, uh, Michael Hooper, the captain, he withdrew because of some mental health issues. So there was a lot of disruption for the Australians and they went out there and they fought back from being behind to win that game. So whatever the Australians have got in terms of that character and that culture in the Australian camp, it's incredibly strong at the moment. I still I still think we're a little bit... Like, you know, again, if you put the two teams, the All Blacks and the Wallabies together side by side on paper... The All Blacks are a much stronger side, but whatever it's all, and it's that old thing about a, a what is a champion team will be will beat a team of champions. At the moment, the All Blacks seem to have a champion team, and and if that's winning us games, fantastic. So whatever they're doing at the moment, they seem to be doing right. They've got a good culture in there, and and they they don't lie down and they just keep fighting. So 
um, they're kind of almost picking up that humility and that fight that the All Blacks had for so long. So it's a bit of a changing of the guard, but it's a great result for Australia. And look, they've got the Argentinians again this weekend before they then, then they play the South Africans. And all of a sudden now, I think Australian fans are thinking, okay, this year the Springboks are the benchmark. That that is our that's our normally our All Black test will be the Springbok test. So that's the one everyone will be looking forward to. In Adelaide, I think it is, on the 27th of August. Mm, Okay, and finally, Mick, uh, big news during the week regarding the Western Force, a groundbreaking alliance with French top 14 champions, Montpellier. What would this mean for the Western Force, do you think? Well, it could be good or bad, Pete. Um, Obviously, so the the Montpellier is earned by a guy called Mohad Ultrad, who is a construction... He's a billionaire. So, obviously, him and Twiggy must be in the same club and they obviously got talking. They both had a love for rugby. So so our trad sponsor, they've got their name on the All Blacks jersey. They've got their name on the French jersey. I think he paid $160 million to have his name on the for eight years on the French jersey. And their name, they signed a four-year deal with the Western Force. So our trad is on the, the jersey sponsor of the Western Force. So, yeah, they've got this um, sister club arrangement with Montpellier, which is a top 14 club in the French competition. And what it seems to be is they'll use that club as a bit of a... Um, they'll do some player swapping, some coach swapping, educational kind of stuff. And, and look, I think it's a great idea. But the only drawback for it, there's a young kid called Alex Massey-Barker. And Alex is a, a local kid. I played rugby against his dad down at Associates. Um, and, and Alex went through... So, because a junior, he made his debut... played Australian under-20s and then made his debut for the Western Force this season that we've just had. He's been sent across to Montpellier, I believe, for a, for a three-year period. Now, that's fantastic for him. He's only a young kid. If he then comes back to play at the Western Force, it's fantastic. But the thing is, the average salary in the top 14 is about $360,000. The average salary in Super Rugby is about half of that. So if you're a young kid, you go across there for three years, you establish yourself in top 14 in French rugby, are you then going to come back to Australia for half the money, I don't think so. So the, the thing is, they've got to make sure these kids that they're sending, that they've got to work out some way that they guarantee that they come back. Otherwise, the Western Force is going to become a feeder club for Montpellier, and that's not what we want. We want it to be the other way around. We'd be happy to, for the French guys to come here, no problem, but we don't want to be losing, especially West Australian kids, over to play rugby in France when they should be playing for the Western Force. Good stuff. All right, mate. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, I love talking rugby with you because you've got a finger on the pulse. Uh, good on you, Mickey. We'll keep in touch and uh, enjoy the rest of uh, your evening. Yeah, thanks, Pete. And go the Wallabies. Mickey Collis, always great to have a chat to him regarding rugby. As I mentioned, he's certainly got his finger on the pulse. That has been Drive with Peter Vlahos on this very wet and cold Tuesday. Hope you've enjoyed the program, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Always a bit of sports variety, of course, on Mondays and Thursdays. We focus on the AFL Monday, a review of the weekend just gone. And on Thursday, Kim Hagdorn joins us to have a look at the AFL team selections heading into another weekend. And as we know, this weekend... It's uh, the Western Derby weekend between Fremantle and the West Coast Eagles. We'll have the teams on the Thursday night program. Thanks for your time. Thanks to Jimmy and Lee. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5 right here on SENWA.